Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. From the Jill Schwartz Memorial Library here in the wilds of Connecticut, this is Obscure Season 2 Frankenstein. I am your host, your friend, your ear lover, literary mansplainer in chief, and Georgianologist Michael Ian Black, uh, with a better attitude. Today, I have a better attitude. Last time, I had a bad attitude. I was all, this book sucks, this podcast sucks. And um, th- both of those things might be true, but today, I'm in a better mood about it. Like, I'm resigned. You know what I mean? That was that was kind of the premise of obscure to begin with, to question what it means to be obscure. And when I'm sitting here bitching and moaning about this podcast and my own ineptitude at whatever it is I'm attempting to do, realize that really what I'm expressing is a kind of fear that nothing I do will work out and I will end up like Jesse Pinkman in Breaking Bad. I mean, I haven't seen all of Breaking Bad, but the parts that I've seen, you know, he's floundering because everything he does turns to shit, you know? Now, Jesse Pinkman is a meth head. Am I a meth head? Sure, but very different. Very, very different. And so, you know, part of my bemoaning and gnashing of teeth and wearing of various hair shirts in assorted fashion-forward colors, is that I fear my own irrelevance and obscurity. That is the heart of this podcast. Not because I care about renown or notoriety, but because I care about the safety and security of my family. In that respect, I'm much more like Walter White, willing to do anything, even a podcast to preserve his hearth and home. So if I'm, if I'm, you know, doing my level best here, and Frankenstein, which you selected, by the way, not me, I didn't pick it, 
and I'm reading Frankenstein, and it's not fun, and I'm not fun talking about it, then I'm thinking to myself, geez, this, it's like I've cooked up a bad batch of meth. And all I want to do is get that glass, yo. Get that light blue glass. You know? That you snort and you're like, I need more. Let me subscribe to Michael's podcast. I need more. That's all I'm trying to do. So when it's not going well, you know, I feel like I've let everybody down, uh, including myself. But today I've got a better attitude about it because who cares? Right? In the end, who cares? That's the lovely thing about obscurity as a concept. In the end, we're all obscure. Like the most well-known people on the planet of the last couple millennia. Like what's the best you can hope for, really? Is that some sixth grader writes a report on you one day and it, you know, and it's badly conceived and it's filled with typographical errors. That's essentially the best any of us can hope for. And honestly, like I'm fine if that never happens. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with obscurity. I kind of revel in it. And I hope you do too, because we're all obscure in our way, right? There's very few people who know us, fewer still who love us, fewer still who will give a shit when we die. Like ultimately, all of this is a hedge against mortality. Everything we do is a kind of hedge. But at a certain point, like, you give it up. You're like, I don't care. You know, I do these cameos. You know, yeah, I'm a cameo artist. Book me on cameo. It's very reasonably priced. I do these cameos, and a lot of times it's for people's birthdays, like a 40th birthday or a 50th birthday. And I generally say to them, look, you've already lived your life. At this point, anything else is gravy. You know, do whatever the fuck you want, because at this point, it's over anyway. That's how I feel, right? Like, I've done everything there is to do. I haven't read Frankenstein, and it turns out there might have been a good reason for that. So everything we do now is gravy. If I lose my house, so what? You know, get a little two-bedroom apartment somewhere. Who cares? It's all fine. I'm reassuring myself as much as I'm reassuring you. We're all going to be fine, and when we're not, we die, and who cares about that, ultimately? You know? Nobody, you know, no pressure. No sixth grader is going to have to write a report on us. It's great. I feel great already. I feel so much better today. Um, and I'm anticipating violence, because Victor Frankenstein was kind of foreshadowing the violence that is about to befall him and his family. It's all going to turn to shit. I mean, it already has. To a certain extent, people are starting to die, thankfully. Little William's dead. Um, Kill Bill is kind of like saying William is dead. So we had a little Kill Bill moment, and he's heading home. He saw a storm approaching rapidly. Heavens were clouded. I soon felt the rain coming slowly in large drops, but its, but its violence quickly increased. That's where we left off last time with the hope that the violence would continue. So let me pick up. We're in Volume 1, Chapter 7. I quitted my seat and walked on, although the darkness and storm increased every minute, and the thunder burst with a terrific crash over my head. It was echoed from salive the Juris, you know, these are, these are Swiss names. I'm, I'm mangling them, no doubt, but who cares? 
I mean, unless you're Swiss, in which case you can just laugh at me and feel superior in that Swiss way. And the Alps of Savoy, vivid flashes of lightning dazzled my eyes, illuminating the lake, making it appear like a vast sheet of fire. Then for an instant, everything seemed of a pitchy darkness until the eye recovered itself from the preceding flash. That's the kind of detail I like. You know, that little moment that we all know where, you you know, something burns in your eyes and you blink for a second and you can't quite see. Everything's a pitchy blackness and then you can see again. I like that kind of detail because it's something like you don't think about until it's reflected back at you. And then you're like, oh yeah, I do that too. That's like what comedy is. That's what stand observ- you know, observational comedy is. You talk about something that maybe people hadn't thought about even though they're, or hadn't consciously thought about, even though they've experienced it. And, and then they have a flash of recognition, and they love it. I love it. It's hard to find those things, though. The storm, as is often the case in Switzerland, appeared at once in various parts of the heavens. The most violent storm hung exactly north of the town, over that part of the lake which lies between the promontory of Belrive and the village of Copay. Another storm enlightened Jura with faint flashes, and another darkened and sometimes disclosed the mole, mole, I don't know, a peaked mountain to the east of the lake. While I watched the tempest, so beautiful yet terrific, I wandered on with a hasty step. I like that use of the word terrific there. Not to mean good, mean like terrifying. Terror, ter- you know, I, I, you know, terra, terra of the earth. Uh, earth-shaking, earth-shattering, terrible and terrific. The noble war in the sky elevated my spirits. I clasped my hands and exclaimed aloud, William, dear angel, this is thy funeral. This is thy dirge. As I said these words, I perceived in the gloom a figure which stole from behind a clump of trees near me. I stood fixed gazing intently. I could not be mistaken. A flash of lightning illuminated the object and discovered its shape plainly to me, its gigantic stature and the deformity of its aspect, more hideous than belongs to humanity, instantly informed me that it was the wretch, the filthy daemon to whom I had given life. Oh, do you hear that? I just came. I'm sorry to be crass. It was not my intention, but I just jizzed because finally the creature is back. Finally, we're seeing the daemon. And I can only jump to the conclusion, hopefully, that it was the one that killed William. The question is, why is it here? Why is it in Switzerland? Has it been following Victor Frankenstein around? And if so, why has it not been spotted before this? I mean, how wily can you be when you're eight feet tall? You know, you can only lurk in so many shadows when you're eight feet tall. How did it arrive here in the Swiss Alps? Unless it's just been sort of trudging along on foot behind the cabriolet of Victor Frankenstein. Regardless, I'm thrilled. Thrilled. Sticky but thrilled. I mean, you know, my good attitude has been rewarded 
That's the main thing I want to emphasize. You come into something with a good attitude, the next thing you know, you've got a big buddy right behind you. I'm going to keep reading. What did he there? I don't know what that means. What did he there? What did he there? That's the sentence. I, I mean, I guess, it, I guess it means like, what, what was he doing there? Could he be, I shuddered at the conception, the murderer of my brother? Yes. 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 Absolutely yes. Please. No sooner did that idea cross my imagination than I became convinced of its truth. My teeth chattered, and I was forced to lean against a tree for support. The figure passed me quickly, and I lost it in the gloom. Nothing in human shape could have destroyed that fair child. He was the murderer. I could not doubt it. The mere presence of the idea was an irresistible proof of the fact. I thought of pursuing the devil, but it would have been in vain, for another flash discovered to me hanging among the rocks of the nearly perpendicular ascent of Mount Salive, a hill that bounds Plain Palais on the south. He soon reached the summit and disappeared. So, Victor Frankenstein saw him in the lightning, He's running away. He ran up the mountain and disappeared like a Bigfoot. The big buddy is like Bigfoot, hiding in the woods, afraid, terrified of discovery. Maybe he's not the murderer, but we want him to be. Maybe this is all a case of a gentle spirit being unfairly accused in the manner of Javert versus Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean, you remember, was outsized himself, a giant of a man possessed of tremendous strength, but with a good heart, uh, who fortune made him brutish. Fortune made him into two, four, six, oh, one. In this analogy, Victor Frankenstein is, is Javert, condemned to chasing the brute across the vast landscapes of the earth. And we know, in fact, that that is what's going to happen. One of you wonderful Patreon people told me, be patient, it's going to get better. Well, it just got better. It just got better. Uh, Has there been a Frankenstein musical? I know there was a Benedict Cumberbatch production in London that was a play. I don't know if if there's been a musical. There's uh, Young Frankenstein, which is a musical comedy. But has there ever been a kind of proper Frankenstein musical. I could look it up on my research machine, but I'd have to crank it up. Let me just do that very quickly. Let me crank up the research machine. Frankenstein. Seems like there would have been at this point, right? Musical. Uh, Yes, there was. Uh, It is an adaptation of Mary Shelley's 1818 novel. Uh... Oh, and it's recent. It came out in 2009. Shall we listen to a little of it? Why don't we? I mean, I'm probably not allowed to because I'm just, you know, I'm just... Here's the, it's the whole performance right here. So it starts with... This looks like a, um, looks like a high school production of it or something. I mean, a very good high school production that they're in full costume, they've got mics, but these seem to be teenagers performing. So I don't think this is the, uh, this is the real thing. 
Well, uh, no, this is this is a production at the Ernest Borgnine Theater in Long Beach, California. Well, if that brief um, snatch of musical is any indication, it's boring. Anyway. Um, so he's got just gone over the, the mountain. And you know what? Before we continue, well, you know, let's just, en- let's just enjoy a little bit more of this. And we'll take a little break here on Obscure. And make her once again be Why does the magic quake in my fingers? Why is my heart an empty shell? What if she wakes like you? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back here on Obscure after a little musical interlude, interlude, excuse me, of the musical production of Frankenstein. And so we're in the Swiss Alps. He's just disappeared over the hill. I remained motionless. The thunder ceased, but the rain still continued, and the scene was enveloped in an impenetrable darkness. I revolved in my mind the events which I had until now sought to forget the whole train of my progress towards the creation, the appearance of the work of my own hands alive at my bedside, its departure. Two years had now nearly elapsed since the night on which he first received life. And was this his first crime? Alas, I had turned loose into the world a depraved wretch whose delight was in carnage and misery, had he not murdered my brother. So let's just think about that for a moment. Those last couple sentences, I had turned loose into the world, a depraved wretch whose delight was in carnage and misery. Who is he describing, if not himself? I ask you, listeners, who else is Frankenstein describing? Whose blood is he imbibing? The wretch that he's become. 
who murdered the father's son, and now he must make do with what he's made. Had he not murdered my brother? Well, we don't know, but the question is, had Frankenstein himself committed a kind of murder, right? Uh, If not of the literal sort, then of the um, uh, moral sort, the spiritual sort, are we not each other's brother? By desecrating death, has he not murdered all of us? Has he not murdered all of humanity? I pronounced it humanity. And in my head, I was thinking I'll rhyme it with the sea cow, manatee. But I'm not going to get that far. No one can conceive the anguish I suffered during the remainder of the night, which I spent cold and wet in the open air. But I did not feel the inconvenience of the weather. My imagination was busy in scenes of evil and despair. And despair! I considered the being whom I had cast among mankind and endowed with the will and power to effect purposes of horror, such as the deed which he had now done, nearly in the light of my own vampire, my own spirit let loose from the grave and forced to destroy all that was dear to me. So yeah, he's just echoing what I just said in the paragraph above. He's saying, I did this. In a sense, I murdered my own brother. I, I'm, 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 I'm bad. Shaman. Day dawned, and I directed my steps towards the town. The gates were open, and I hastened to my father's house. My first thought was to discover what I knew of the murderer and cause instant pursuit to be made but I paused when I reflected on the story that I had to tell. A being whom I myself had formed and endued with life had met me at midnight among the precipices of an inaccessible mountain. I remembered also the nervous fever with which I had been seized just at the time that I dated my creation, and which would give an air of delirium to a tale otherwise so utterly improbable. I well knew that if any other had communicated such a relation to me, I should have looked upon it as the ravings of insanity. Besides, the strange nature of the animal would elude all pursuit, even if I were so far credited as to persuade my relatives to commence it, and then of what use would be pursuit? Who could arrest a creature capable of scaling the overhanging sides of Mont Salive? These reflections determined me, and I resolved to remain silent. Is there any chance that uh, Victor Frankenstein himself believes the creature to be a figment of his imagination? Is there any, is there any, uh, I mean, probably not, because he was out there, trawling the the graveyards. I mean, you know, he would have had to have invented an entire history of a year and change to make that be plausible. But it's kind of an entertaining thought, right? That Frankenstein never existed at all. I mean, the monster never existed at all. You know, it's just just his own delirium. But we know that's not the case because Walton saw the creature. 
And Walton may be many things, but he's no liar. That's one thing we know about Walton. It was about five in the morning when I entered my father's house. I told the servants not to disturb the family and went into the library to attend their usual hour of rising. Six years had elapsed, passed as a dream, but for one indelible trace. And I stood in the same place where I had last embraced my father before my departure for Ingolstadt. Beloved and venerable parent, he still remained to me. I gazed on the picture of my mother, which stood over the mantelpiece. It was a historical subject painted at my father's desire and represented Caroline Beaufort in an agony of despair, kneeling by the coffin of her dead father. Yeah, that's, that's probably the painting that I would commission as well of my wife who died. I would probably have her painted in utter anguish and despair, kneeling at the coffin of her father. That makes sense to me. That's what you'd probably, that's probably how you'd want to remember her and hang it in the library. Um, Your dearly beloved wife in emotional duress and agony. Uh, That makes almost no sense to me. But her garb was rustic and her cheek pale, but there was an air of dignity in beauty that hardly permitted the sentiment of pity. Below this picture was a miniature of William, and my tears flowed when I looked upon it. While I was thus engaged, Ernest entered. He had heard me arrive and hastened to welcome me. He expressed a sorrowful delight to see me. Welcome, my dearest Victor, said he. Ah, I wish you had come three months ago, and then you would have found us all joyous and delighted. You come to us now to share a misery which nothing can alleviate, yet your presence will, I hope, revive our father who seems sinking under his misfortune, and your persuasions will induce poor Elizabeth to cease her vain and tormenting self-accusations. Poor William, he was our darling and our pride. Um, I mean, they're all so well-spoken. Remember Henry Clerval had a beautiful little speech, you know, when they were just walking to rent some horses. Here comes Ernest, younger brother, hasn't seen him in six years. Hey, he's probably sprouted up like a real beanstalk. Hey, Ernest, you sprouted up like a real beanstalk. Well, thanks there, Victor. You look pretty fine yourself. You know, they could have had that. They could have had that exchange. Oh, you're looking well. So are you. Are you hungry? I I had a nosh on the way, but I, you know me, I can always have have more. Um, you know, they could they could just, you know, have you seen any uh, anything on Netflix lately? Well, I was watching Breaking Bad. That Jesse Pinkman, he's a real meth head. I know, but who are we to judge? Tears unrestrained fell from my brother's eyes. A sense of mortal agony crept over my frame. Before I had only imagined the wretchedness of my desolated home, the reality came on me as a new and a not less terrible disaster. I tried to calm Ernest. I inquired more minutely concerning my father, and her I named my cousin, meaning Elizabeth. She, most of all, said Ernest, requires consolation. She accused herself of having caused the death of my brother, and that made her very wretched. But since the murderer has been discovered, 
and then he's interrupted. The murderer discovered, that's Frankenstein speaking, the murderer discovered, I, I could do it like Christopher, the murderer discovered, good God. <laughs> good God. How can that be? Who could attempt to pursue him? It is impossible. One might as well try to overtake the winds or confine a mountain stream with a straw. I saw him too. He was free last night. I do not know what you mean, replied my brother in accents of wonder. But to us, the discovery we have made completes our misery. No one would believe it at first. And even now, Elizabeth will not be convinced, notwithstanding all the evidence. Indeed, who would credit that Justine Moritz, who was so amiable and fond of all the family, could suddenly become capable of so frightful, so appalling a crime? J'accuse! Justine Moritz. J'accuse! Justine, I have chased you to the ends of the world. We thought you were an amiable girl, but here you have killed with unremitting skill, and now you must pay the toll. I don't know why they think Justine Moritz did it, but, you know, great. Perfect. I mean, you know, now, it, you know, the, the letter comes back around, thankfully, because with that letter was boring from Elizabeth. So the pieces are starting to get tied together a little bit. Oh, oh, it was Justine, the nice girl who was like family, who worshipped the mother. She killed little William, killed him with her bare hands, strangled him to deadness. And now she's going to be hung, I hope. So uh, Frankenstein says, Justine Moritz, poor, poor girl, is she the accused? But it is wrongfully. Everyone knows that. No one believes it. Surely, Ernest. No one did it first. But several circumstances came out that have almost forced conviction upon us. And her own behavior has been so confused as to add to the evidence of facts a weight that I fear leaves no hope for doubt. But she will be tried today. And you will then hear all. So good luck for Frankenstein. He came just in time for the trial. That's exciting. There's going to there's gonna be a trial in the, in the courthouse. Everybody, are you going to the trial? Justine Moritz, she's accused of killing little William, but she was like family. I know, but here in Georgia, even family sometimes kills each other. That's just how we do things in the deep antebellum south. Somebody gets their dander up, and the next thing you know, there's a murder. Ooh, well, I'm excited. I'm excited for the trial. And so we shall pause here because finally there are big doings just when all hope was lost, just when we had reached rock bottom of the story, things are starting to accelerate. The violence that was foretold has come to pass. And now there's going to be a trial for murder. Justine Moritz, the wretched little servant girl who was given an education and almost treated like family instead of the servant girl that she was. Well, I mean, I'm just delighted over here. I'm just delighted, and I hope you are too. What a way to kick off the new year with the steamrolling plot of Frankenstein finally chug-chugging its way out of the station and heading for parts who knows where, parts unknown to us. 
All we know is we're going to end up in the North Pole at some point. But how we get there, the tracks we take, we don't know. So let's pause, you know. Let's end on an up note. There's going to be a trial. There have already been tribulations. Um, The Swiss mountains are flashing. And we are all momentarily blinded by their brilliance. So, will Justine Moritz be found guilty of murder, or will she hang by the noose until dead? These questions, and many more, will be answered or not on the next locomotionary episode of Obscure. But until then, I wish you adieu. Obscure Season 2 Frankenstein is produced by Robin Lynn, Jennifer Brennan, Mary Shimkin, and myself here in the wilds of Connecticut where I record and elsewhere. Original music by Craig Wedgren. If you enjoy this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and drop in some stars for us, why don't you? Write a kind review, why don't you? It helps. How does it help? I have no idea, but it makes me feel good. 